13, verse 11. And I appreciated that song. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Stand with me as you turn. I want to look at four verses tonight, verses 11 through 14 and of Romans, Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Working the night shift is the title of the message, working the night shift. Romans chapter 13, verse 11, it says this. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is your salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envies. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Read verse 11 and 12 with me. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for this passage of Scripture that you gave us on purpose, and that we might hold it in our hand tonight. And you said, the grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Lord, since this book has been written, many people have come and gone, nations have risen and fallen, and yet your word is still faithful and still true. From one generation to another generation, the scripture has been true, and I pray tonight that we'd take the same scripture and we'd apply it to our life, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our heart. Lord, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of scripture, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. How many of you have ever worked a night shift? You work through the night, anybody? And I've worked some nights, and uh, uh, I remember one of the first jobs that required me, it wasn't an all-night job, but it was an early morning job. My brother and I, when we were teenagers, we... Uh, we had a paper route that required getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. That was one of my first uh, experiences with working what I would call, uh, er, I'm still a mo- early morning, but that's beyond early morning, all right? And uh, the crazy things that, you, that we would see, all right, at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I remember Pastor Adam had guns drawn on him at 3 o'clock early in the morning. I remember one time we went down, we picked up those papers and drove, and we drove to apartment complex, and uh, he would jump out of the car and start running and dropping, and then I'd drive on ahead, t- stop the car and get out and run, and he'd come up, pick the car, and we'd just keep going that all the way around. And so we were just teenagers delivering papers there, and it was my turn in the car, and he's running up to the doors in the apartments, and all of a sudden off of Chem Road there in Marion, I, I don't remember, it was probably at least three, maybe four police cars. Coming down, Kem, coming down, Kem Road, jump the curb, jump the curb, lights, lights going off, coming right at the apartments there, stop surrounding this spot. And uh, there is Pastor Adam, like, standing there, hands up in the air, papers in hand, and guns drawn, and uh, someone had called the police. They thought, I don't know what, maybe you weren't just delivering papers, Pastor Adam, I don't know. And, uh, but I remember, I'm just delivering papers, I'm just delivering papers. And, but crazy things, we worked another job. And uh, I worked for, we worked for a painting company out of Indianapolis. It's the largest non-union company there and, uh, when we were older. And they would have, um, Adam, Pastor Adam worked there. I worked there. My brother Josh worked. We were usually all on the same crew generally. And they had a contract on all the Chase Banks in uh, Indianapolis, going in there and uh, painting them, car, uh, you know, wallpaper and all that throughout all the Chase branches. 
And you could get in there, but you could only be there, obviously, when the banks were closed. So you'd get in there somewhere after 6 o'clock and stay to the next morning. Then you had to be out and cleaned up and gone. And uh, so we would go in and get in there, and we'd work nights. Pastor Adam worked longer, all right, uh, on those night jobs. He almost lost his salvation on multiple occasions. That's been the running theme of his life. We're thankful for eternal security, all right? And no, but, but I remember working, and lunch hour at midnight was different, all right, and very different. I, I remember we go to the... The White Castle in downtown Indy, just around the corner from the uh, just from the Lucas Oil Stadium. There's a there's a White Castle there, and midnight at lunch at White Castle, like crystals. How many of you ever eaten at White Castle? And it's a destination place, all right, journey experience. No, not really, all right, more like crystals. And, but midnight at, at White Castle was an interesting thing, all right. Uh, the things that you would see that you can't undo, all right. And, but no, just, just the night. I never was a work through the night. I was a different person at night. And, uh, you know, not my favorite time to work. And uh, everything, you were just waiting for daytime, right, just waiting for daytime. Now, some people enjoy nights. Anybody enjoy working nights? Some of you guys would enjoy the nights. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy working nights and uh, craziness was out there and especially in the city at night. There's a lot of different things happening and those type of things, but not my favorite time. And my patience was a little bit shorter. All right. At night and uh, things of that nature, but not my favorite. In this passage of scripture, we see the Lord comparing the day in which we live to the dark. He would say in that verse in verse 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time To awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. God said the night is far spent, the day is at hand. You know, for the Christian, this is as dark as it gets. Boy, light is right around the corner. I I enjoyed thinking of Matthew that we looked, the verses we looked at this morning where it says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God calls us to lift up the light, the light of the gospel, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, to shine it forth brightly through our actions, through our witness, that the world would see the Lord and glorify Him and their life would be changed. The Lord would tell us not to hide it. We looked at it this morning in Luke 18, 8, 16. It says, No man... When he had lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or put it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. The Lord would say in one passage of Scripture, don't hide it under a bushel, and another he'd say, don't hide it under a bed or in a vessel. And their pictures, as I mentioned this morning, a bushel was what they carried their workwares in, and the things they were taking to sale, it was a picture of their vocation. Don't hide your... Don't hide your um, your witness behind your vocation. Don't, as much as we need labor and need a job and need to work, and if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat, it should never become more important than our witness and our light that we shine. He would say, don't hide it under a bed, our leisure, right? Everybody needs rest. Everybody needs a break, but don't let it ever become the goal. The light that's shining should be our goal. Don't hide it under a vessel. Uh, uh, you could almost picture a person's prestige or position or based upon the vessels, the cup that they held. And it was a picture of their position in life. God gives us position and accomplishments and things he gives us in our life, but they should never take the priority over the light that we shine. But the picture is this. We're in the dark. It's night. But the Bible says in this passage of Scripture in verse 12, it says the night is far spent. And the day is at hand. Just before dawn, 
just before dawn. The night is dark, and he said, but the day is right around the corner. And I think of this as a Christian. The night is nearly spent. We've sang several songs about his coming and his return. But the night is nearly spent. The Lord is about to come. When we get into glory, there's no need for the sun to rule by day or the moon by night because Jesus is the light thereof. This world is as dark as it can possibly get. And it waxes, as the Bible says in Timothy, worse and worse. Doesn't it seem to be that? Thomas Fuller, a theologian from the 1600s, would make that statement, the darkest hour is just before dawn. And though that's not scientifically correct, theologically it's correct. The day waxes worse and worse the closer we get to the return of the Lord. The closer it gets. And we're right around the corner from it. And the the writer here is highlighting to this fact that we are working, if you will, the night shift. Friend, this is as dark as it gets for us. And one day, one day that trumpet's going to be sound. And we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord. Maybe today, the Lord calls us to recognize that if we're not careful, we'll live like it's day. And we have all the time in the world, rather than living like it's night, this is as dark as it gets and we're about to enter into glory. We're not careful, we'll live like the best of life is in this life rather than the best of life is in the next one. We'll live trying to squeeze the best we can out of the daylight we have in this world, not realizing that we're trying to squeeze the best we can out of the dark. (laughs) The best is yet to come. And he says this in this passage of Scripture that for the Christian, we are, if you will, working the night shift. We're shining forth the light in a dark world. He would say there in Matthew, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. That city that is a, culmin- a, a group, a gathering of many individual lights. He said, don't, let, don't hide your light or, or your candle under a bushel, an individual light. A city is made up of multiple lights and a, a bushel and a, and, a, and a one candle. And when you look to a city, you see many different lights, but there's many different individual lights. And we see the corporate work of the church as mentioned this morning. The individual Christian who has an individual light to shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the corporate light of a church is only as bright as the individual lights of the church. And God is reminding us of this fact. The night is far spent. And his return is coming. And so he gives us some direction. And here is the first one. Wake up. Verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake... Out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Wake up. The Lord says, I know it's night, but wake up. He says in this verse, salvation is nearer than when we believed. When you look to Scripture, you see sin viewed in, in multiple different tenses. You see sin viewed as in the past. That's in the salvation and the penalty of sin. In the past, it was left the penalty of sin was dealt with at Calvary. We see salvation dealt with in the present. That's the power of over sin. And finally, we see it in the future in the absence of sin in our life. The presence of sin is gone. God dealt with the penalty of sin at Calvary, and God's given us the power to overcome sin in our current life, but there's coming a day when the presence of it from our life will be gone and will be as he is. He's speaking of that day. Salvation draws nigh. The return of the Lord is right around the corner. The trumpet's going to sound. We're going to be caught up to be with him. That tribulation time period and then the return of the Lord. He says it's right around the corner. And so what does he say to the Christian? Wake up. Wake up. 
Quit trying to scratch out of this life and realize that his coming is right around the corner. There's no time for sleeping. There's no time for thinking we have all the time in the world. The time is almost up. He would say in that verse, in that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Really, there's only one man that knew he was going to, for certain that he was going to leave this world through death, and that was Peter. Remember, the Lord told him in the last chapter of John that, that the way that he would leave this world, that when he was young, he went where he wanted, but when he's old, another man would leave him to where he didn't want to go, speaking of his death. But since then, every Christian should live with this reality. I may not die in this life. I may be caught up out of here. The focus of the Christian is that we could be gone tonight. We could be gone tonight. He said, it's nearer. Wake up. Wake up. I think of what this means to us. We could see him today. Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You might enter his presence before the night is finished. You might see your Savior face to face before the week is out. Think about that for a moment. Think about who he was in his time on earth and what he did for you at Calvary, how he's worked in your life. Your walk with him or the lack thereof, you could enter into his presence and see him face to face before the week is finished. Before the night is over. He says, wake up. Wake up. If we're not careful, we get lulled into a sleep in this night in which we live, in this dark world in which we live, with all of its sin and with all of its pursuits and all of its philosophies, and we fall asleep to the reality that you may not have one more day. So what does the writer say? He said, wake up, Christian. Wake up, Christian. You're living like you might make it to retirement. You may never make it to retirement. You're living like you might have your full life. You may never have that. God may come tonight. You're living like you may make it another day and you may not make another day. He said, wake up. Your salvation is nearer now than it was the day you were saved. Live like you're going to walk into his presence this evening. We should be living like we could see him in the very next moment. The very next moment. We could stand before him soon. We are confident, and I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. We are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. We, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Time is short. We could stand before him soon. We could stand before him soon. Could be that we're standing at the judgment seat of Christ, that bema seat, that place where we stand and receive the rewards for which we've done in our life. It could be that we're all there tomorrow. It could be. Could be we're out. And we're not careful. We do more planning for next week in this life than what, what could be tomorrow in eternity. And what does the writer say under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost? Wake up! We've fallen asleep 
it's night, but the day's about to come, and that trumpet's about to sound, and we're about to be caught on out of here, and surely we need our vocations while we're here, and surely we have positions that we need in this life, and, and, and surely there are times of rest and leisure that we need in this life, but none of those things should be lived for because you may not get them tomorrow, but for sure, if you're a Christian, your salvation is nearer now than it was the day you were saved. It could be tomorrow. It could be tonight. And what does he say? Wake up. Wake up. You should live with this reality. I'm pleased with my life if I see him tomorrow. And more than am I pleased with my life if I see him tomorrow, is he pleased with my life if I see him tomorrow? That whether present or absent, we should be accepted in his sight. That whether here or there, that what I'm doing in my life is pleasing before him. I could see him tomorrow. I could stand before the judgment seat tomorrow. Today could be the last day for the lost. Could be some of the last days. Revelations 22, 10 through 13, and he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. Give to every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. What is the Lord saying? There's coming a time when if you're right with God, you're right with God. And if, you're un- and if you don't know him, you don't know him. There's no changing it. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Head is filthy, let him be filthy still. For a lost world, there's coming a day when there's no changing your future. For a lost world, there's coming a day when hope is completely out. Salvation is unavailable. The time is too late. John 9, 4 says that Jesus would say this, work, this thing. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Notice the flip side. Here he's speaking of his work for a lost world. In Romans, he's speaking about our work before we see him. What he's saying is for the lost man, this is day. This is how bright it gets. This is the best it gets. And if you don't know the Lord, the night is coming. The light of the world, the option to trust him, to come to know him, is now gone. And all that waits before them is an eternal darkness. A separation from the Lord for all of eternity in a lake of fire, a bottomless pit, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not, in a place, complete absence of the Lord, the torments of hell around their flesh for all of eternity. And this is as bright as it gets. And the night is right around the corner. But Christian, for you and I, this is the night. This is as dark as it will ever be. And friends, sometimes it's pretty dark. The physical things we face, the struggles we go through, the trials and the doubts and the ups and the downs of life, the condition of a lost world that waxes worse and worse and further and further from God. But the sun's about to come up in the morning. But for the world, the sun's about to set. And so what does he say? Wake up! Christian, it's time to work the night shift. 
It's time not to go through life and living for its leisures and living for its pleasures and just trying to eke out what we can get out of it, but rather realize this. We are on the job, not on vacation. We are on the job living for the Lord and the sun's coming up and there's coming a day when all of eternity I will live in his presence, enjoy the wonders of heaven and walk beside my Savior forever and ever and for all of eternity. But for the world, it's about to set and if they're lost now, they'll be lost then and they'll spend an eternity separated from the Lord in a lake of fire which burneth forever and ever and a fire that cannot be quenched and it's torments for all of time. You picture that lost person and you realize this the sun is about to set your neighbor the sun is about to set the world in which we live missions conference why missions conference is more important this year than it was last year It'll be more important this year than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago because he's coming again and time is out the sun is setting And once the sun sets for them, no more opportunity. For you and I, what a joyous moment it will be. Because of all of our labors, all of our trials, all of our heartaches, over. Friend, let's rejoice that we're working the night shift. And it may be hard now, but what a day it will be when our Savior we shall see. But in the meantime, like Paul told Peter, let it, or Paul told Timothy, let us endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let us labor, let us work, let us serve, let us give, let us hold forth the light of God's word because it is setting for the lost world. It is setting. The night shift, what does God say? He says, wake up. There's no room for the servant of God to be sleeping on a shift. No room. The night is here, but the day is coming. But for the lost world, the day is here and the night is coming. Not only does he wake up, but he says, cast off. Verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and in envies. He said, cast off, cast off the works of darkness. Think of what the Lord said in Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 11. For ye were sometimes in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. He said, cast off the works of darkness, the things of this world and have no fellowship with it, but rather reprove them. Friend, there's a whole lot of things in this world that we need to unload from our life. Unfruitful works of darkness. I heard Pastor Adam preached a a message on music, and I would tell you this, there's a lot of unfruitful works of darkness in it that if you're a Christian, you better unload from your life. There's a lot of filth in the media of this world that if you're a Christian, you better unload from your life. There's a lot of works of the flesh in your life that you ought to unload from your life. Let me tell you, Christian, if you shouldn't be doing it, you shouldn't be singing about it, 
or watching it. If you shouldn't be doing it, then you shouldn't be listening to music that sings about it and glorifies it. If you shouldn't be living it, then you shouldn't be pumping it into your head. The unfruitful works of darkness. But rather, reprove them. Reprove them. To rebuke them. To move from them. To unload them from your life. To get rid of them from our lives. What does he say? He said, get rid of it. You know, the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. What are at odds? The flesh and the spirit. They're odds. They're enemies. Do you know what that struggle in your life with sin is between now and the day that you see the Lord? The constant battle between the heart of the man, the Christian that has the Spirit of God inside of them that wants to live and do right, and this old rotten flesh that we drag around that's got the habits of the world that wants to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And that struggle is here. And friend, that struggle will be there until the day we exit this world. Don't give up the fight. There's always going to be a part of you that longs for the things of this world. We sing the song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There's that tendency and that old sinful nature that if we're honest, that it drags us that way. But at the same time, friend, we're saved, sanctified, set apart into the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, I hope there's a part of you that wants to be in church tonight. Now, maybe there's a part of you that wants to watch the Super Bowl here, all right? But there's a part of you that says, I want to be in church where God is. That struggle that will go on for all of eternity in our life. And they don't mix oil and water. You know, the question for us is this. Does it feed the spirit or feed the flesh? You want to make things simple in your life when it comes to right and wrong? Start asking yourself, does it strengthen my relationship with God or does it weaken it? Does it help me live right or does it pull me aside? Music that leads you to the world, unload it. Music that honors God and lifts him up, not only in his words, but in his melody, in his harmony. The works of this life, the things that you can watch that draw you closer to the Lord. Hey, there's even things that you can endure. There's nothing wrong with, but they're leisure and they're relaxing and they help restore you and ready to go. But what is God saying? Unload the unfruitful works of darkness. Because you don't have much time. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Run that race with patience, looking unto Jesus. Because my time is short. Our time is short. And God calls us to cast off. I will tell you sometimes what gets the Christian is not they're trying to live for the Lord. It's what they refuse to cast off for the Lord or for the world. And what's happening is the things that they refuse to cast off are dragging them back to the world rather than propelling them forward to the Lord. Friend, you can make church a priority and still live for the fleshly things of the world and defeat your purpose. I will tell you, the family that makes church a priority on Sunday, but pumps in the world on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, will face defeat. They don't mix. They don't 
mix. Cast off. Wake up. The night is far spent. We're almost to dawn. The trumpet's about to to sound, and we're about to be caught up. So work the night shift. Labor for the Lord. Cast off the needless weights and the sinful things of the world, and make no provision, verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't provide an opportunity for, don't plan for, Plan to live for the Lord and not for the world. What are you planning on this week? What are you planning? He said, wake up. Working the night shift. If you'll live right in this world, wake up. Cast off. And lastly, we we see this. Take up. Look at verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the work of darkness and let us put on the what? The armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, nor in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some things to take up. Verse 14, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's saying? Number one is work at Calvary, but there's a personality to take up. There's a personality to take up. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's a personality to take up, and his name is Jesus. There's someone to strive to know, to know better, and let let can take control of your life. There's someone to say that when I come out of tomorrow, I want to be more like him at the end of the day than I was at the start of the day. I want to be more like him at the end of the week than I was at the beginning of the week. I want my life to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be conformed to the image of his dear son. And I want the world to see Jesus in me. I want that. To take up the personality of the Lord, to let him have control of my life, to surrender to what he has for me and to follow his leading and let him lead me and guide me through life, to take up him, not me. My job is not to make sure the world knows Seth Hahn. My job is to make sure the world knows Jesus. They're supposed to see him in and through me. To take him up. To let my life manifest the Lord Jesus Christ in my actions. Because I'm about to see him in a minute. I'm about to see him before long. His return. His coming. A personality to take up. A battle to wage. Verse 12 again. Look at there. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the work of darkness. And let us put on the what? The armor of light. Armor is, in this passage, it's not for display. (laughs) The weapons of our warfare, they're not meant for us to hang on the wall. They're meant to be held for the battle that lies before. There's a battle to be waged. I think of what the Lord would say in Matthew about the church. He would say, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
know what he would tell in Peter as he talked about establishing the church upon the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, you and I both know this. A gate is not a weapon, <laughs> at least not meant to be, right? Now, maybe if it was, you could might weld it, you know, wield it well, all right, I don't know. But it's not a weapon. It's a defensive thing, isn't it? I got a gate on my backyard. I've got a Glock in my house, all right? That's the weapon. But I've got a gate on my door, right? It's, it's not a weapon. It's a defensive tool. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The church is supposed to be on the march. The armor of God wasn't merely for my defense, but for my attack. The attack. We're supposed to be on the offense. You know what missions conference is about? It's about marshalling our resources to go on attack. It's about marching forward to places we cannot go and marching against the gates of hell and ensuring that in Honduras and in Quebec and in Egypt and in England and uh, in Libby, Montana, that there is someone there that's attacking the gates of hell. And our purpose, why we live in this city, in our town, where God has us, is that we would be on the attack for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be actively carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ to the gates of hell and grabbing a hold of lost sinners and pulling them from the power of Satan to the power of God. Paul would say it this way. I read the verses this morning where he would say this. He said uh, in, um, he, he would say th- these verses, I'm going to have to go back, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgivenesses of sin and an inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me to go on the offense. Do you know why Paul faced such opposition in his life? Because he was on offense. He wasn't sitting back in Jerusalem. He wasn't sitting down. He was on the road, growing from strange city to strange city, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know why the disciples faced martyrdom? Because they were on offense. They were on offense. Do you know why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the fiery furnace? Because they refused to bow. They went on offense. Do you know why Daniel went into the lion's den? Because he refused to stop doing what God had called him to. He was on offense. Christian, I will tell you this. You can sit home and the devil will leave you alone, but it is when you go on the march for the Lord that the devil gets mad. And the Christian is supposed to be marching against the gates of hell, saying, I'm going to serve the Lord with my life. Offense. He said this, there is a personality to take up. There is a battle to wage. I would ask you this, Christian, are you in the fight? Have you reached for your wallet to fund the war? Have you reached for your track in your New Testament to do battle personally? Have you humbled yourself in prayer to call upon God for his aid and his help? Are you in the battle? Because we were meant to wage war. Not to sit on the sideline. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Wake up, he would say. 
We've fallen asleep on the night shift. We've fallen asleep. And he said, wake up. The time is coming. The day, the night is short. For us, the sun is about to rise and the battle will be over and the, 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 those things will be gone. But for the world, the sun will have set and their time is up and eternity in his hell is their destination where they'll spend it for all of eternity. So you work while it is night that we might save them while it is their day. Because there is a war. There's a personality to take up. There's a battle to wage. There's a light to hold forth. That verse again in verse 12, let us put on the armor of what? Light. It's not the armor of darkness. That's the devil's weapon. It's the armor of light. I read the verses this morning that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that ye may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, holding forth the word of life. Having your loins girt about with truth and your, your breast, taking up the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith whereby you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take up the helmet of salvation. Taking up the, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word of God. Holding forth. Holding forth. Take it up. The night is far spent. The day is almost at hand. I don't know how dark your night is, but it seems sometimes it's darker than others. And certainly in terms of the world, friend, it will grow darker still. But ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Hold up the word of life. And what does he call? Friend, we're working the night shift. This is not the day. I will tell you, if you think this is day, it's because your eyes have adjusted to the dark, and that's not a good place to be. This is the night. This is the dark. The sun's about to rise, and time is about up. And what a day that will be when our Savior we shall see. I could see him tonight. I could see him tomorrow. I could walk into his presence. So friend, there's some things to cast off. Get rid of them. You don't want to be lugging them when you see him. Cast them off. And there's something to take up personality of the Lord, the love, the joy, the temperance, the faith, the holiness, be holy even as I am holy. There's a battle. Are you in? Are you in? Have you reached to fund it? Have you taken up the sword and shared it? Have you bowed the knee in prayer? Because there is a battle to be waged. And there's a light to shine, friend. As dark as our world may be, I mentioned this morning, I won't dwell here long, but the light is always greater than the dark. As I said this morning, there's no dark switch in here. They're light switches for a reason. You flip them on and the darkness leaves. Light is always greater than dark. Friend, the light that you hold is greater than any darkness in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is no darkness out there that can, can darken the light of Christ. 
Matter of fact, the darker it gets there, as you know, the brighter that light will shine. Now, you can cover it, as mentioned this morning. You can fall asleep on the job. You can cover it with the making other things more important than the light. But you can't extinguish it. And God calls us, wake up. It's the night shift. But it's almost over. It's almost over. And I'm going to enter into the presence of my Lord. I'll see my face, Savior, first of all. Then I'm going to look around. I'm going to see a whole lot of people I know. And forever, I will rejoice in the presence of God. The day is right there. You can almost see it breaking if you pay much attention. But for the world, any glimmer there is of light is that it's dropping just below the horizon. It is setting. And the night for us is about over, and the night is about to begin for them. Wake up. Missions conference. In a big way, it's a wake-up call. It is meant to challenge us where we're at. It is meant to make us look beyond where we're at and see a world without Christ. And to look right here and say, am I really awake? Am I looking where I should be? Am I serving the way I should be? Am I giving the way I should be? Wake up. I will tell you what will make Missions Conference so enjoyable. If you're awake when you get here. (laughs) If you're awake when you get here. I know the day will be hard. I'm not talking about that. (laughs) A long week. But will you be awake when you get here? I have never in my life seen Christians who mind preaching about money when they're already surrendered and giving what God had for them to give. But I've seen Christians hate the preaching of of giving because they don't want to give. You know what the difference is? One's sleeping and one's awake. One's sleeping and one's awake. Hey, it's not a bad thing to hear preaching on sharing the gospel if you're already awake sharing the gospel. But when you're sleeping, don't stir me out of my nap. (laughs) Preaching on prayer doesn't bother us too much when we're already praying. But when we're sleeping, don't wake me up. Don't wake me up. So the writer says here, wake up, wake up. I know it's night and this is the night shift and not too many of us enjoy the night shift, but the day's almost there and the trumpet's about to sound and our savior we're about to see. So wake up, cast off and take up and serve your Lord. And you won't regret it for all of eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the Bible we hold in our hand that challenges us and that calls us, that reminds us. Lord, life does get difficult at times. And it is night now for us. But the day is about to come. The trumpet will sound soon. And it's certainly nearer now than it was the day of our salvation. The day that we came to know the Lord. Lord, let us live that day. Lord, where you've challenged us to wake up, I pray that we'd wake up. 
or you've challenged us this evening to cast off, maybe laid something on our heart, let us unload it from our life. Something to take up. Let us pick it up and serve our Lord. For the world, it's about to be night. When I can picture faces of folks that I know that are lost, and it's about to be run out of time. Lord, but for us, the day's about to come. Let us not waste our night shift, but let us live for eternity. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this. How many of you can say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's a settled thing for me. I, it is about to be day for me. It's not about to be night for me because I know the Lord. That's a settled thing for me. Would you raise your hand as a testimony between you and I, Lord? Preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. you. May put your hand down. Is everybody here this evening say, Preacher, I'm unsure of my salvation. I want to know him tonight. I, I don't want to enter into an eternity without him. Preacher, would you pray for me? I, I want to know the Lord tonight. Is there anybody like that? You'd raise your hand. Let me ask you this, Christian. How many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Maybe it was just a wake-up call. The Lord's saying, wake off. Maybe you've started to nod off. The Lord just said, wake up. Maybe there's something God said, cast off. God named it in your heart. And God said, let go of it. Maybe you're just not in the battlefield. Something to give, something to get, share the gospel, something to pray for. Would you say, Preacher, during the course of the message, the Lord spoke to my heart this evening. Would you raise your hand as a testimony and would you stand with me? And, friend, as that pianist begins to play, as God has spoken, respond in prayer. There's an altar for a reason. It's a place of humility, a place of pausing and kneeling and praying and going before the Lord. And use the altar tonight. And maybe it's just to say, Lord, help me to carry the message tonight into my tomorrow. How easy it is to, to get something on a Sunday night, but to forget about it come Monday morning. And, you just say, Lord, I, I want to be awake tomorrow, not just Sunday night. Maybe there's a co-worker God laid on your heart, and God said the sun is setting for him. The sun is setting. Pray for him, Christian. Maybe it's a family member that the sun is setting for. Pray for them. Maybe it's a missions conference. Friend, there's a world the sun is setting for. Pray that God would use us this week. But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord tonight.